this is Prophecy Now. I'm Liberty, your host from Spirit Move Ministry. Let's just jump in and talk about times and seasons, prophecy, everything that God's doing right now, and what we need to be preparing for. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, this is Liberty from Prophecy Now and Spirit Move Ministries. It's awesome to have you listening here on Prophecy Now podcast. I would like to remind you of our Dream Talks deal that we have going on right now. I have an eight-session Dream Talks e-course that I have for sale through spiritmoveministry.co. You have received the first session for free here on Prophecy Now. I would like to offer two coupon codes for those who are Prophecy Now listeners. The first coupon code is PROPHECY10 with a capital P. This will be 10% off either Session 1 or Session 2, basically Dream Talks 1 or Dream Talks 2. Each have four sessions. Or you can bundle it and use the coupon code PROPHECY15 to receive 15% off the bundle of Dream Talks 1 and 2. I hope that you guys will take advantage of these discounts and be blessed by the e-course. And it's awesome to have you as a listener to our Prophecy Now podcast. Everybody do me a favor, stand your feet just for a second. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Lord, we love you so much. Yes. We're so grateful to gather in your name. Yes. And we're grateful to receive from you today. Lord, we align our hearts, we align our minds, we align our bodies, souls, and our already aligned spirits with you and your plans and purposes for this evening, for this hour, for this season, for this place, and the places you will send us back to after tonight. We thank you that you've handpicked each and every one of us here in person and those watching online to be part of these epic and historic days. And God, I ask that you would assign an angel to every single person here to minister to them and everyone online, to minister to them as I share these prophetic words, that they will know what's for them and there will be an angel to minister to them, not only as prayers of salvation, but as your difference makers and solution bringers for this hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are not here by chance, and I don't mean here in this meeting and streaming online. God has handpicked you to be here now. God knew everything that was going to happen. God knew everything that was going to be going on in our governments, in our schools, in our medical systems, in our media, in our lives. And he has positioned you to be a significant part of his solution. You're going to see that tonight. I'm going to share three prophetic words with you that the Lord has given me for 5784. And there's going to be a common denominator that we're going to boil it all down to. And I'm going to lay hands on every single one of you and minister to you. Come on. Show me in prayer this morning. God is going to use you mightily in this season. One of the things we need to do is get our heads around, not leaning on our own understanding, but trusting in Him because sometimes what He wants to do that is truly mighty for the kingdom, we think of as, 
but it's truly, truly mighty. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to get to these three prophetic words in just a moment. First, I want to give some personal prophecies, if that's okay. All right. So um, during worship this afternoon, the Lord started showing me some things about some of you wonderful people. Amy, is it correct? Amy, when you were playing keyboards this afternoon, the Lord showed me a picture of you with what it looked, first looked like a book of sheet music. But it was the loose leaf. You guys know what that means? I'm old enough that we had loose leaf binders and you pull the, 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 the pages out. So it was almost like a folder more than a book and you would pick this, pick up what looked like sheet music and there was worship songs on the front. And you were studying the worship music of heaven. But then what was interesting is you turned the page over and on the back page was a history book of heaven and some of the most significant battles that heaven's been involved in in all of history. And what the Lord spoke to me is there's going to be this combination of worship, heavenly worship and heavenly history that comes through you. Almost like you're going to be writing the anthem of heaven here on earth. Like the battle hymn of the Republic, the heaven's battle hymn for here on earth. Or the star-spangled banner, the heaven's anthem for the season of warfare that we're in. Because you're going to combine heavenly revelation of worship with an understanding of how heaven wars here on earth to achieve God's plans and purposes. Is that what you're similar for you when you were in your Bible. And as you were reading your Bible, and I got this this afternoon because I was listening to some of what you were sharing this evening, I thought, oh, that's what he was showing me earlier. So I did get it in the afternoon. I want to have prophetic integrity about that. And what he showed me is you were sitting and you were reading your Bible, and as you read your Bible, it wasn't that you flipped the pages over, but at times what happened is your Bible would turn into a map. And a place would be highlighted with an X, and an X marks the spot. But I asked him, is this a treasure map? Is this for provision? He said, no, it's not a treasure map. It's strategic places of battle that I will send during usual. And there will be times when you're in your Bible and you'll understand God is not only giving you prophetic revelation or apostolic mandate, but he's giving you a battle strategy. And you'll go to those places and do what he says, whether it's to the one or the 40 or the millions or the none, you'll do that and it will bring shift and change. And I heard it's an anointing similar, and I don't know her, and I don't know much about her, so I'm trusting this is God. Anna Mendez Farrell, and how she would go to places and contend with things in the spirit to see great shifts. But as you're reading your Bible and all of a sudden places come on your heart, no, that's God turning your Bible from the battle plan into the battle place. And then Tony, Tony, um, uh, my heart was strong to you repeatedly, my new friend. And I asked the Lord, what is it? And he said, I call him Sir Valentine. And the Lord calls you a Valentine. And he says you're one of the knights for him. But what's interesting is that what kind of knight? Like, and he said, it's a, it's a word play. That because you're one of his valiant ones, you're going to start to see yourself more and more as he sees you. You're going to see the incredible worth, the incredible value, the incredible gifts that he's given you. And one of the ways you're going to see this is at night. There's things coming in the night season where God is going to wake you up to a greater revelation. You've been pressing into revelation of who he is. He said, now it's time when he's pressing into revelation of who you are in him, with him, and for him. And he says you are his servant. Praise God. First of all, I want to feature our eight decrees to heal the nation. 
I put these together. They're all they're eight scriptural decrees to bring a new beginning to any nation anywhere. I wrote these for the United States of America just before the 2020 election. No, sorry. Yeah, the 2020 election. And um, they went out to tens of thousands of people around the world. We're getting ready to relaunch our Firewall USA, which has 24-7 prayer for the nation going into the election cycle. But these are free. They're at the back table. It's eight scriptural decrees. You can pray through them in about a minute to a minute and a half. Or, and I've done this with Holy Spirit many times, you can pray through them and linger, and Holy Spirit will expand and expand and expand every single one of you has been placed in this nation, whether you're a citizen or not, whatever it is, you're here. And God wants to use you in this season to heal this land. It's time to take our nation back in the spirit and prayer is gonna be a big part of that. You're gonna see that in just a minute. So anybody who wants one of these, they're free. Eight decrees to heal the nation, they're in the back. If you want to send them out to people, all you have to do is email me, robert at robertkotchkin.com, and I'll get you the PDF that you can share with your prayer group or whatever you would like. We have some CDs back there. And I'll tell you why, because like most ministries, we're going all digital. So one of the things we're doing right now is we're blowing out all our CD teachings, and I still have a bunch of really good teachings that are on CD. So everything's at least 50% off. All the CDs are like $5, the sets are $10, but here's the thing. I think there's like three or four singles and there's two larger sets back there. If you buy all of them, you can have them all for 20 bucks. If you have a CD, because that's, that's like an 80% savings on the list price because we already have sale prices on the back. So if you have a CD player, get as many as you want, you can get all of them for just 20 bucks. Um, Silence Every Storm is a revelation God gave me after we heard um, Apostle Strader uh, and, and him sharing Apostle Liberty's prophetic words. We know a storm of heaven is coming, a glory storm is coming, but there's also storms of the enemy that will kick up and try to keep us distracted. This is a revelation of how simple it is to step into apostolic authority on earth to silence every storm. We've had people grab hold of this and we've seen hurricanes go around their homes. Because they said no. So if you have if you have storms in your life, literal, metaphorical, spiritual, or real, this will help you with that. And then now God is one of my all-time favorite teachings. I'm gonna be very quick because otherwise I'll go into it because I love this teaching. The Lord came to me in a hotel room in Singapore once when I was preparing for a meeting, and he stood before me and he said, Tell my people I am the Alpha and the Omega. I said, Lord, I think we know that. He says, No, my people think of me as the Alpha, then the Omega. They know I was at the beginning and they know I will be at the end. And he went like this. He said, I'm not the Alpha, then the Omega. I'm the Alpha. He clapped his hands together and, and the Omega. And he shot something into me that for the next couple of weeks. He started to teach me about space and time. And he started to unpack what he put inside of me of how we're here to access the eternal realm here in this realm. What that means, what that looks like. This is not esoteric mysticism. This is one of the main things Jesus came for us to have so that we can reach into the eternal realm and see what's already ours in him manifested in this realm. He wants to remind us that anything we've had or experienced with him is constantly present tense. He is only present tense. And there's scripture after scripture after scripture in here that proves what he showed me. But it will allow you to do everything from heal wounds of the past 
to access things in the future and bring them into the now because it's all present tense in God. That's why it's called the now of God, discovering the present tense power of the great I am. Who would like these two teachings? There's a bunch more back there, and I don't want to go into all of them. My first ministry in our ministry was the resource table. I love resource, so I have to be careful with it. This is my most recent book, Realms of Power. Um, this book, um, I love to talk about its origin story. I'm a superhero fan. I bought Spider-Man 115 off the spinner rack at Fitch Drugs when I was seven years old in the 70s, and I bought superheroes ever since. So I love origin stories. I was, um, I was not planning on, on writing another book yet. I'd written, I don't know, six or seven. And uh, I love having written. Anybody can relate to that? I love having written. <laughs> writing can sometimes be a glorious wrestle to get everything right. I love having written. I had written a book and was very pleased with the latest one and was still promoting it. I wasn't seeking God in any way. I was out at the shops being a good husband. I was running errands for my wife. I was actually home on a Saturday and she gave me this list of things. Honey, could you please do these things for me? I'm not home on a lot of Saturdays, so I thought, I would love to do these things for you. I love my wife. She's amazing. I love when I can serve her because she's just fantastic. So I was all excited to run errands for her. And I came out of one shop and thankfully before I put my Jeep in reverse, the, uh, the, the, the cab of my Jeep filled with the presence of God. Now we all know what that's like. We've all had those experiences. I've had a handful of them truly glorious. This was so significant, I could not ignore it. And in this encounter, I had to get, I have a, I have a little, uh, little, little notebook in the middle of my, in my console, because I'm the son of an MIT engineer. Um, and I was, a, I was a weird kid that read comic books and Tarzan novels and blind trees and pretended I lived in different worlds. And my MIT engineer father would just scratch his head and go, where did you come from? But I, but I did inherit a few things from my MIT engineer father, including having a small notebook in my car so I could keep track of things. I just never learned what I'm supposed to keep track of. <laughs> but it's in there and it worked out great because all of a sudden, God starts outlining this book to me. He goes realm by realm, chapter by chapter, realm by realm, scripture by scripture, key by key, step by step. And he outlined 12 realms of power that he wants his people moving in now. Many of them are expected realms, uh, like uh, the, the power to work miracles, the power of faith, the power to shift atmospheres, the power to create wealth, those kind of realms. But there were many that were a surprise to me. But my favorite part of the book isn't only the realms that it outlines scripturally so that you see that we have them, but every realm he gave me simple keys on how to step into them. I'm all about the kingdom being simple. Yeah. The kingdom's not always easy, but it is always simple. I just launched a new series on my YouTube channel called Supernatural Mentoring Series. It's all about making the supernatural simple so that we can grow in the things of the spirit and be even more fulfilled and effective in our faith. And every week we do like a 10 to 20 minute video to get you aware of or activated or encouraged or empowered in the supernatural realms. It started with this book. So there's 12 realms of power and it's super easy to step into them. I serve in Patricia King Ministries. I'm one of the core leaders of her ministry. I have been for 20 some years now. I also have my own, a couple of my own ministries, but I'm thrilled that I continue to get to serve with and learn so much from the one and only amazing Patricia. Um, and I tell people all over the world, my role in our ministry for 20 years, Patricia's role is she's the finest Christian I've ever met anywhere in the world. 
And she's also one of the most anointed prophets and apostles I've ever met. And she is truly amazing. She shows people what's possible with God. My role in our ministry is I show people truly anyone can do it. Because <laughs> there is, I mean, there's nothing special about me except the God that I love with all my heart and I served with as much obedience as I can muster by His grace. She's truly amazing, and I, I, I am the Joshua of Moses. God raises up Moses' men and women to show us what's possible, and then He uses Joshua's to lead people in because He shows anybody can do this. And that's so much what this book is about. Folks, I'd like to give this book to you, Apostle. I know you're already moving in realms of power. My favorite feedback on this is we just posted this on, uh, I think it's my Facebook page, but somebody sent an email and said, I just finished reading your book. It's the best book I've ever read on realms of supernatural power because it makes it so simple. And I thought, that's it. It, it needs to be simple. So there we go. All right, let me take a sip of water and let's get into these three prophetic words. I'm very grateful to be here. I know if I heard you, if I, if I understood you correctly, Apostle Liberty, this is the first time you guys have gone to Rosh Hashanah event. Wonderful. Well, I'm very grateful to be here. Rosh Hashanah is a very meaningful time to our ministry. We are an apostolic ministry and a prophetic ministry. And one of the aspects of the prophetic that we are blessed to flow in is the son of Issachar. We discern the times. God will often speak to us about the times, bless us to discern the times. And uh, Rosh Hashanah has always been a time that he's been faithful. When we've leaned into him, he always speaks to us about the coming year. He loves to honor the Jewish calendar. I had somebody once, like you were saying with you, somebody got very upset with me because they said to me, um, we're New Testament Christians, we're not Old Testament Jews. We shouldn't be paying attention to the Hebrew calendar. And I thought, well, I thank you. I'm, I'm very simple. I just say things like, well, thank you for sharing your heart. And, and they're like, no, I'm right. I'm like, I can tell you feel strongly about this. I honor you. <laughs> I, I don't believe in debating. Um, it rarely does any good. I spent way too much time with people out on the streets. Debating tends to put up walls. A lot of reasons to bring walls down, right? Um, so I'll listen to that stuff. But if someone's willing to talk, I never want to debate, but I love to talk. Um, I love to talk. I always would say, hey, no, we're absolutely New Testament Christians, but the Apostle Paul makes it clear. We're grafted into the tribe of Israel. So we did not replace them. Replacing theology is alive in the pit of hell. We're grafted in to the tribe of Israel. God loves the Hebrew calendar. You know what? He also loves the Gregorian calendar. Because here's something else I've learned about my God. He just loves relationship. One of the reasons he speaks to us at Rosh Hashanah is we get mindful about taking time to listen to him at Rosh Hashanah. I've never had him not speak to me if I'm really willing to listen. He, everything Jesus did at the cross was about relationships. Now don't hear something I didn't say. He absolutely is the propitiation for our sins. He and he alone is the spotless lamb who gave his life and shed his blood to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He is our Savior, He is our Messiah, and He paid the price for our sins, and so we do not go to hell. That is what He did. What He did for me at the cross changed my life forever 21 years ago. I went from being a devout mocker of Christianity, a devout mocker of Jesus, a devout mocker of the church, 
for almost four decades. It's 38 years old when the God that I mocked and made fun of appeared to me, manifested his presence outside my cabin in Montana. I was living in Northwest Montana, a semi-retired life. Um, I moved there in my early 30s. And when I was 38 years old, November 4th of that year, the God I mocked and made fun of manifested his presence and declared to me I refused our God. We had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation that went inside, went on inside his I am -ocity, so I have no idea how long it lasted. The eternal rain came and like, I'm looking, I mean, remember Get Smart, TV show Get Smart? Oh, okay, somebody else in my age. There was this thing called the cone of silence yeah. that would come. And it was like Jesus came with the Maxwell Smart cone of silence, but it was the cone of the eternal realm. There was no time. There was just his nowness, his I am awesome. And every wicked, arrogant, selfish, hurtful, hateful thing I had ever done, and I had done a lot. I was a bitter, angry man. I was a deeply wounded, very angry man. Every single thing I brought before him was actually to say, I refuse my God. And he enveloped me in love and acceptance like I never felt, like all my achievements had not fulfilled. That moment I realized, even though I've been part of this, this is what I've been looking for. <coughs> I had another encounter with him the next day. I gave my life to him. He came flooding into me. I wept for three solid hours. I came up off the floor, snot and tears everywhere. And the words that came out of my mouth actually surprised me. I knew I was saying it, but it was almost, it wasn't. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. I came up off the floor, looking at my face. I was still kneeling on my kitchen floor. I looked up, and it was like a man coming out from underwater. I went, Jesus, if you're as real as you felt in the woods yesterday, I don't want to do this by myself anymore. I want you. I need you. Come into me. And he came flooding into me. And that was the best And I have found that there's never a time that he doesn't want to talk. What he did for me at the cross changed my life forever. Almost 21 years ago. 21 years in November. I'm 59. And this November will be 21 years. Why he did what he did changes my life every single moment of every single day. What he did changed me for all time. Why he did it leaves me wrecked every time I turn my heart to him and realize he wanted me even when I was the worst person. I believe he manifested sovereignty to me because he loves his people. He's like, he is really a handful. Okay, all of you guys, just, so many people tried to share the gospel with me, and I was an intellectual and emotional bully. I think Jesus finally just said, you know what, I'll do this with myself. <laughs> He's doing it all of you. So I know that he always wants to speak. So around Bush Hashanah, we always listen, just like we do around New Year, like we do almost every morning in my prayer chair. But this is what was interesting to me about this year. He started speaking to me about Rosh Hashanah last month. And I usually don't start listening or, or seeking him for the words for the new year on the Hebrew calendar until about a week or 10 days or two weeks before. This was the middle of last month. So more than a month, it was actually more than a month. It was early, what month would be? It was early August. I was at an event in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. It was one of the other speaker sessions, so I was able to, somebody I'd never heard before, a guy named Ed Rush, he's absolutely amazing, he's an incredible speaker. He was the number one combat instructor in the Top Gun Aerial Combat School, like, you know, Maverick? 
He was their top combat instructor for years, and he got radically saved, and he's an amazing man. I'm loving his stories, and I am totally paying attention. And all of a sudden, it's like God, I, my niece Eliana, I married into a Korean family. If you don't know what that means, it means you marry into a Korean family. I didn't just marry my wife, I married our family. And I come from a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, fairly well-to-do Northeast background, which basically means I was raised by wonderful parents in a wonderful culture that I completely didn't understand or fit in. I was a deep, deep feeler as a kid, and that doesn't go over real well in lost culture. I used to be told, if you have to have an emotion, go into the laboratory, close the door, run the water and flush the toilet so nobody has to hear you. Like, okay. By the time I was eight, I was severely disassociated because I completely checked out from my feelings. That's a whole other story. Jesus is set me free. Praise God. But here's what's interesting. So I'm married to this wonderful Korean family and I have these great nieces and wonderful nephew that I love with all my heart. But I didn't, I, I, I didn't have kids in my life. Now I have kids in my life all the time. And I adore them. But my niece, Eliana, she's six now. She does this thing where she'll grab my face and turn it to her and say, Uncle Rob, I've got to tell you something. And she makes sure I'm paying attention. She turns my face. And then she's usually ratting out her brother and sister. And once again, punish them. And I'm like, Eliana, we don't rat out families. She's like, no, i got to tell you something. But she'll grab my face and turn it to her. Uncle Rob, I've got to tell you something. I felt like that's what Jesus was doing in this movie. He could not wait to talk about this coming Rosh Hashanah. Out of nowhere, it was like he grabbed my face and said, Rob, Rob, Rob. And God, only my family calls me Rob. I'm Rob. I've been Robert for a long time. I, I'm my, my, but, but when he grabbed my attention, it was like Eliana, Rob, I got to tell you something. And he started speaking to me. And this is where this first word came. He said to me, now one other thing I want to I I share with you. I used to get words that were like paragraphs and pages. I don't know about you, but I seem to be getting words now that are sentences. It's like God wants to make things really clear and really easy to get hold of. I can be a wordy guy. I've written a bunch of books. I used to write for a big budget creative side of big budget advertising. When I was a little kid, I'd write short stories. I love words. I love crafting words. Even when it's a challenge, I love having crafted great words. I, to this day, think language is one of the most amazing things. When I was helping my niece, my oldest niece, is tested off the chart early. She's uh, eight years old now. She's in all these advanced courses. But um, when she was really little, I was teaching her to read. And because I learned to read young, she's way smarter than I am. But um, um, I learned, and I thought, oh, she's going to get this. And two years old, she was speaking in full sentences, clearly. And she'd be working more words like, Uncle Rob, I believe the stocking is on the mantle face. Like, who are you? You're two years old. What two year old says that? So I was, I was starting to teach her early before she started school about the alphabet and letters and language. When you think we take the written word so for granted, it is one of the most magical things in the world. Do you realize I can have a thought or idea in my office in Maricopa, Arizona, write it up, send it out to like Steve Schultz, he puts it on the Elijah list, and people all over the world, I get to share what I'm hearing from God. Why? Because the alphabet and written language is one of the most amazing things ever. 
It's truly remarkable when you think about it. Let alone that we get to read the living word of God. Come on. I love to communicate. So I love when he tells me paragraphs and pages. Lately, he's been telling me sentences. This is the first prophetic word I want to share with you for 5784. A triple vision anointing is being released from heaven into the earth in this season. Now, as someone who's worn glasses since he was two years old, as I'm sitting in Ed Rush's meeting, not trying to not look like I'm not paying, or trying to look like I'm paying attention when I'm actually listening to God, I said to him, Lord, as somebody who's been wearing glasses his whole life, double vision wasn't a good thing. That was something that had to be overcome. But that is triple vision. I know it's got to be good if it's from you, but what is triple vision? And he started to tell me. The Lord is going to ramp up our vision in this hour, and there's actually a three-strand cord of vision, or triple vision, that is being released. The first aspect of this triple vision anointing is that you will clearly see the issues of the day and the true causes that are behind them. The first aspect of this triple vision anointing is ramp up discernment. You will clearly see the issues of the day, and you will clearly see the true causes behind them. You can listen to CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever your least or favorite news outlet is, and no matter what the talking head is saying, you will clearly see what the issue is, and you will discern what's actually behind it. Because God wants to use you like a sniper in this season. Where you clearly see things, and you're going to see some of these other words, he's then going to use you to take those things out. So he not only wants you to know about the lies and fear-mongering that's going on, he wants you to see past it. We've all seen the lies and the fear-mongering. You don't need a triple vision anointing for that. You just need a news app. Right? We've all seen it, but God's going to help us see past those things so that we don't give place to irritation and frustration, but we give place to his solutions, which is the second part. So, first aspect, you will clearly see the issues of the day and the true causes that are behind them, the increase of discernment. The second aspect of this triple vision anointing, you will clearly see the solutions and how to partner with God to bring them about. It's, it's like your battle plans when you read the Bible. So here's the thing. You know, when it comes to the prophetic, there's three aspects. There's revelation, interpretation, and application. Revelation is obvious. It's when God reveals something. He can speak it. He can show it. He can give us a dream. He can, he can, we can be driving down the road, and all of a sudden, the billboard's more than a billboard, and we realize it's a message from God. The next part is, that's revelation. He reveals something. The next part is interpretation. And this is what's going to increase with this wisdom and wisdom, the ability to interpret things. So we'll lean out on our own understanding, but we'll know what he's saying, and we'll know what his solution is. Because here's the thing. I want you to think your least favorite politician right now. I want you to think your least favorite media person right now. And I want you to look past them and realize they are not the problem. Satan is the problem. I want to tell you, if we as the church can grow up this much, and we're going to by His grace, I need it as much as anybody. We're gonna, we're gonna look, we're gonna see that least favorite politician that is knowingly, or maybe unknowingly, but it seems knowingly partnering with darkness with a horrible agenda to destroy this world. But we're not gonna see them as the problem. We're gonna see past them and clearly discern Satan and his minions that are. 
problem, we're going to see that they're actually a victim as well. Now, they may be getting all the spoils of this world because they're knowingly or unknowingly partnering with the father of lies who will give you the spoils of this world. But even if that's the case, what did Jesus say? Forgive me, Father, they know not what they're doing. The Lord showed me somebody I was wrestling with who was making some really bad decisions for our nation. And he said this to me in my prayer journal. He said, forgive me, Lord, for they know not what they're doing. You know what my response was? How they know exactly what they're doing? They're writing legislation about it. This is all part of God's harvest strategy. 
Many will witness him in you who will never be in a church or a revival meeting or even be willing to listen to God, uh, the, the gospel on the streets. This is one of the things I'm most excited about. I love seeing souls come to the Lord. I used to do miracle and prophetic outreaches in a city that there's kids here, so I need to be careful how I phrase this. It was a tourist destination for a perverse type of tourism. It was the number one uh, destination in the world for this perverse type of tourism in relation to children. Figure that out. Um, and we would go there, and we would—I would bring people from all over the world would join me. It was called Pattaya. It is called Pattaya, Thailand. And I would mentor them. We worship, and I mentor them in the mornings, and then we do the afternoons and the evenings out on the streets, in the brothels, going to the tourists that were there for these reasons, going to the women, the young men, the lady boys. And we would see revival break out. It was like walking around the book of Acts. It's like Apostle Strader said, you get outside of the U.S. and sometimes it's hard to keep up with God. Every single day we saw miracles, we often saw signs and wonders, and we always saw salvation. I love that there's a billion plus soul harvest coming in. But here's one of the truths we got to get on. I love my church. God loves endures his church. But there are many of those billions and billions of people who will never come to church. Who will never come to revival. I, I know and serve with some straight up hardcore revivalists, man. I love them. Their entire focus is we must get every single person say, how are we going to do it? Let's put on a big revival meeting. Awesome. That's going to reach a bunch of people. A lot of unsaved people will come. We see that historically. But if we're going to reach half the population of the world, a lot of them are not coming to church, they're not coming to a revival meeting, and I know from personal experience, a lot of them don't even want you to work a miracle on their behalf out on the streets. But you know what? When they see what God is going to give you and how he's going to use you, and it may be something as simple as you have hope when nobody else does. You have joy when nobody else does. You have peace when nobody else does. How are you not freaking out about what's going on in the economy? Quick, quick testimony. Yesterday in the airport, I go to the airport early to fly here. Um, as I, I'm on, I decide, oh, I look at my watch, but I got enough time for breakfast. And there's a place in the airport that serves a decent breakfast. As I come up the escalator, I like a really good breakfast. Um, and this, there's a place that's, there's one place that serves a decent breakfast. As I come up the elevator, I see another place. And the Lord speaks to me. I'm a lot of late, but a, a, a good, solid, internal knowing. You can have breakfast there. I said, I want to have breakfast there. You can have breakfast there. Okay. So I walk over. There's not even anybody there yet because it's so early. But to make this long story very short, what happened is I waited and waited, and there was another guy who was waiting, and somebody finally came and started making this guy a breakfast burrito, and the Lord speaks to me and says, pay for his breakfast. I'm like, okay. Um, he doesn't look like he wants to talk, and I'm not awake yet. I wake up very very slowly, with several cups of coffee. And um, some of the people who would come with me overseas, there was this joke, and it was a joke, because I'll talk to anybody anytime. The young man in the, the hotel here, I came down for breakfast this morning. Man, what a great host he was. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning, which is 4 o'clock where I'm from. So I'm up at 4 a.m. my time, and I'm going to have something to eat, and he wants to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, here. Um, I'm here for a meeting. It's going to be really great. It's about Jesus. Oh, well, my whole 
I'm willing to talk even before I have my coffee. It's a privilege to connect with people, even when you're a deep introvert who wakes up very, very slowly. But there was a joke in, in when I was overseas thinking these teens talk, talk to Robert in the morning until he's had one cup of coffee or two cups of tea. He'll talk to you, but it won't make any sense because he's not really So I'm waking up. This guy looks like he looks like he's had a hard whatever. But anyways. I'm like, okay, Lord, how's this gonna work? Because he's getting ready, and I gotta stay. He's way over there, and I gotta stay here. Today. Well, the guy made a mistake on his order, and he had to redo it. He restarts his order. He looks up at me and says, "Well, that's going. What can I get for you?" He's like, "Great, give me a breakfast burrito bowl." And now I'm right next to him at the till, and I turn to him and say, "Hey, can I buy your breakfast?" He's like, "Why would you do that?" He's like, "I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at you, and I can feel God's heart for you." I feel like you've had a long night. He's like, I have. I've been working here since 2 in the morning. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, I can tell you're faithful. And you're getting up early every day. And you're working hard every day. And there's people who count on you. You're blessing the many. God wants to bless you. And he's like, you made my day. I said, no, you're making my day. Thank you for letting me bless you. And then the next thing I know, he sits down. He was going to go away. He sits down. He says, we have breakfast with me. We get to talk, I get to prophesy over him, I get to tell him all about Jesus. He saw, because I was generous, he saw something of God and wanted to more about it. That's how simple this triple vision of God can be. God showed me a problem. This young man's going through it. He showed me a solution by breakfast. And then that young man saw God in me because of that, so I got to share it with very, very simple. Some of you will be doing this for nations, but I'm going to tell you, God makes this stuff simple. But it's going to be in a lot of people are going to get saved through you, and this triple vision anointing will never come to a people like this. This is Isaiah 60, verse 2. Something at the end of last year, the Lord spoke so clearly it was almost audible, but it wasn't. And like many prophetic voices, I've been saying for quite some time, we're not we're in Isaiah 60 season. Um, but the Lord spoke to me very clearly about this time last year. He said, stop saying it's an Isaiah 60 season. Start declaring it's an Isaiah 60 opportunity. And the key to the opportunity is verse 2, where it says, behold the darkness. And he said, the whole key to this is the word behold. Notice I don't say ignore the darkness, get irritated by the darkness, duck and cover until the darkness passes. He says, behold the darkness and even the deep darkness. And the kingdom of God will arise in you. The glory of the Lord will appear upon you. And you will be my solution to nations and to rulers of nations. This is what the true Christianity is about. We're going to behold the darkness and the deep darkness. God's going to show us a solution. A big part of it is going to be to allow the kingdom of God to arise in us as opposed to the tyranny of our flesh. What does that look like? Fear, anger, irritation, despair, depression. And God, if you've given place to that, me too. But you know what he's really good at? Helping us shake it off. Because the blood of Jesus works. And all we ever have to do is say, God, I repent and I gave place to irritation. I repent. Thank you. Your blood is enough. Now, grace me to let your kingdom arise in me. Your righteousness, your peace and joy. And then when it says the glory will appear upon you, catch that the glory doesn't only mean gold dust. The glory doesn't only mean the presence of God. It's absolutely part of the glory and it's wonderful and I'm grateful for it. But the glory, according to Exodus 33, is all of his goodness. 
It's the fullness of His goodness. It's His presence, it's His power, it's His personality. The glory of God, the fullness of His goodness is going to be made manifest on you. And somebody's going to see that and you're going to get to share the kingdom with somebody who was as hard-hearted towards all of this as I was until Jesus showed up. The only difference is He's going to show up to me. Amen? Amen. So that's the triple vision anointing that's being released from heaven. And that was the word 5784 he gave you in the middle of last month. The second prophetic word for 5784 that he gave me. A prayer revival will come forth that awakens believers to the authority they have to settle things in the spirit through prayer, declarations, and decrees. A prayer revival is going to break out. We just saw a glorious worship movement, right? At Asbury and other places. Love it. Love it. I love how you guys worship. I love how the presence comes when you worship. This is glorious. Remember, God is not an either or God. Sometimes, sometimes, especially in the charismatic church, we get so focused on what we're supposed to do, which is great. We think anybody who's not doing what we're doing is doing it wrong. No, there are 12 tribes. God's cool with diversity. God doesn't need you to tell people what they're doing wrong. If they're doing something wrong, God's really good at telling them. God's okay with diversity. Look at all the different I love trees. I live in the desert now. I lived in Montana for a long time. I lived in the east for a long time. I love trees. I can stare at a good tree. You read it, my wife. You'll be like, hey, what are you doing? within 
creation should operate in his power, by his authority, to his glory. And you do things the way he does them. How did he bring forth creation? First 25 verses of Genesis. He spoke it forth, right? I won't go into all of this, but several years ago, it's in my book, Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions. God took me in to an encounter, an experience of Genesis 1. He showed me so many things I'd never seen before and never heard preached before, but scripturally supported every single one of them. I'm not here to talk about that tonight, but the one thing that really blew my mind was that he spends 25 verses bringing forth creation, then he brings us forth by speaking us forth, he speaks forth creation, he puts us in place, and when he says, after my likeness, one of the ways you can interpret that is, in my image, after my likeness, in my image, you're here as my dominion stewards to represent and represent me. After my likeness, do it the way I just modeled you for 25 verses. Speak to creation. I brought creation forth by speaking. You're made in my image and after my likeness. One of the main ways we operate as dominion stewards in the earth is choosing to believe the word of God is true no matter what, standing in our authority in him and declaring it and expecting things to change. This is the prayer revival that's going to come forth. And you know why it's going to come forth? Because of things like the worship revival. Because in the worship revival, the presence came, but we're staring at him and, and, and honoring him and being blown away by him. And we can't look at him and not be reminded what we're like because we're made in his image. We are not God, but God is in us. We are in God. We are here to serve God. We are here to operate his authority, his power, his glory. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. And you know what? I've gone to 40 some nations. I love going to the nations. And I love going to the really, really remote places nobody else wants to go to. And I like eating really weird food when I'm there. I love it. But you know where I'm going to have some of the greatest impact for this whole wide world for my dog right now? My prayer chair every morning in our little house in Arizona. Because we're going to get a revelation in this prayer revival that will come forth and awaken us as believers to the authority we have to settle things in the spirit through prayer declarations and decrees. The Lord is about to reinvigorate his people in the power and authority of prayer. The power of prayer will be a renewed revelation of James 5.16. A renewed revelation of James 5.16 is going to hit the body of Christ. I know you know what it is, but let me declare it right here. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous one avails much. You're going to get a renewed revelation that you, the righteousness of God in Christ, your fervent prayer is effective and it avails much. You know what fervent and effective is in the Greek? Energia. It's a very important word. When the Apostle Paul tells us one of the gifts we have in the Spirit is the working of miracles. Notice that he doesn't say the gift that the Holy Spirit has given us is miracles. It's the working of miracles. That word working is energeo or energio. I'm always bad with Greek pronunciations. And it has two distinct meanings. It comes from two words and it has two distinct meanings. To be mighty and to be active. And the way you grow mighty in the working of miracles is by being active in the working of miracles. 
The more, and I've seen this in my own life. The more I'm willing to go out and pray for miracles, work miracles, the more miracles break out. Not because I'm earning more miracle-working anointing, but I'm agreeing more and more and more and more and more with the truth. So by choosing to believe the truth in the face, the eternal truth, in the face of temporary circumstances, the aspect, the, the, the belief aspect of faith triggers the substance aspect of faith. So faith is not only believing. According to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is a substance. So when you choose to believe, that belief aspect of faith triggers the substance aspect of faith, and it begins to establish this realm of eternal truth here on earth. The other main way we operate is dominion stewards. We establish here in this realm what we already have in Christ. We've got a whole teaching on that. We don't have time to go there tonight. But in this prayer revival, fervent and effective prayer, that is intergale prayer, miraculous prayer, prayer that will shift things, prayer that gets mightier and mightier the more active you are in it. Not because you're earning more prayer muscles, but you're agreeing more and more with the authority you have because the Word of God never returns void. It accomplishes all that it's sent to do. It always bears fruit. Notice Isaiah does not say the word of God always feels like it never returns void. No, there are many times it feels like it never returns void. I'm in, we're in a massive battle right now for my four-year-old nephew. He's one of my most favorite people on the planet. He's just the greatest little kid. He's a total stinker too. He's a boy. Um, but he's just the greatest kid. He gives the greatest hugs. I won't see him for a few days. I walk through the back door. He comes running up to me. Uncle Rob! It's like, oh, I feel 30 feet tall. I love that kid. He's my buddy. We hang out. His favorite thing in the world is robots. So we'll build Lego robots. We'll watch BattleBots. He loves BattleBots. He's this great kid. He's got what they call a, 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 a birth defect. It's not a birth defect. It's a malformation of his brain stem because he was born into a fallen world. See the difference? A birth defect. I, I don't like birth defect. But I, I, I recognize that there's something that needs to change. And so I'm believing and I'm praying every single day. And there are days I feel the authority of God on me. And I've actually been shocked and surprised when the doctors tell us nothing's changed yet. My wife adores Isaac too. And we got God. Another round of bad reports about um, the, the fact that epilepsy meds are added on him and what's going on with his brain stem. And uh, uh, you know, he was crushed. I just said, This kid can't get a break. He's such a good little boy and he can't get a break. And all of a sudden, the faith of God arose in me. And I turned to him and said, Honey, I know how much you love me. But you know what? You got to break it across the aisle. You got to break it through the stripes of Jesus. And I'm not stopping until we see it shift and change. Because every time you pray, every time you decree, every time you declare, something happens because the word never returns void. Now it can feel like it has, but that's just a feeling. And one of the things we do is we steward feelings by bringing them alignment in faith. Feelings aren't bad. Unrighteous feelings just need to be cast out. So we come back in that place of faith. And something's going to happen to the body of Christ where we hear the news report and go, seriously, another, another legislation of this, another of this, and all of a sudden we're going to say, like, you said no, story, right? Who just said no? You said no. All of a sudden you stand up and you say, no, 
No, the first time I saw my nephew having a, a, an epileptic seizure, that's what I did. I went, no, this does not get to stand. And I've been contending ever since that it will break off. Amen. Amen. That's the revelation that's coming to God in life. A renewed revelation of the power of prayer. The effective, fervent, energeo power of prayer. We're also going to get a renewed revelation of the authority of prayer. A renewed realization of Jeremiah 1.10 is going to hit the body. And this is where God says, this is God speaking through the prophet. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. One of the things that's going to happen in this prayer movement is we're going to really, really realize it's time to stop saying, God, do something. And we're going to realize he did it at the cross. And the cry is going to be, God, help me. Do something because you've already done it. It's one, it's done, it's given. We're going to get that, we're going to move in that. God says He wants to put His words in your mouth. I have appointed you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Did you catch that? What do we want to have happen in our nation? We want the things of Satan to be plucked up and to be torn down. We want the things of the kingdom of God to be built up, to be established. How is He going to do it? Through us. He's going to put his words in our mouths. And he's going to finally settle. Oh, but God, I'm just this. I'm just that. Jeremiah tried it. Do not say I am but a youth. Do not say I've been a Christian for 30 years and never done this before. Do not say I've never said a decree before. There's nothing that disqualifies you because you were never qualified to begin with. Our only qualification is Christ Jesus, and we're going to wake up to that. And we're going to realize, wait a minute. Jesus said, of all the Old Testament prophets, none were greater than John the Baptist. Jeremiah was a heck of a prophet, man. But do you understand, Jesus said, John was actually the greatest of those guys. And the next thing he says, the least of the kingdom is even greater than that. I can stand before God and say, Lord, there are days I feel like I'm the least in the kingdom. You know what that means? Semantics. 
But I'm telling you, sin still has ramification in this world. You can call it whatever you want, but it's going to bring devastation to your marriage and to your life. If you're telling me Jesus dealt with that sin and you can be forgiven for it through his blood, totally agree with you. His grace is extreme. His mercy is immeasurable. His love is certain. His forgiveness is certain. But if you're telling me that there's no such thing as sin, you've been deceived. If you're telling me you can't sin, yes, I know what the epistles say. That means your born-again spirit is perfect. One of the things we do here on earth is we take control of our souls, so we choose to walk in radical righteousness and heroic holiness. Not to earn something we don't have, that would be religion, but to walk in the fullness of what we have been given. Romans 5 makes it so clear. I'll paraphrase uh, verses 15 through 19. Before, because the first son Adam chose to disobey righteousness entered the world. Or, sorry, unrighteousness entered the world. Notice it doesn't just say because he sinned, he became unrighteous. He did. But it says it came into the world. You need to catch when we choose darkness, we lose darkness into the world. We're the dominion stewards here. I know that's heavy, but we need to catch it. Because way before the powers and principalities of darkness that are ruling and reigning in this nation and other nations I've been to, way before they had a place, we give place to them through the choices we make. I know that's heavy, but here comes, I'm all about encouragement in Christ. Here comes the encouragement, the equipping, and the empowering. The next thing it says in Roman 5 is because Christ Jesus came, righteousness was made available to all. See, it's talking about the power of the decisions we make when we're in relationship with our God. If we choose darkness, we release darkness into the world. But when we choose to walk in righteousness, we release righteousness out into the world. When we choose to be heroes of holiness, not to do something to get something we don't have, but to walk in the power and authority we do have, this is what God meant when he said in Matthew 28, go and baptize the nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit by teaching them to obey what I've told you to do. That word name, it's onoma in the Greek, and one of the ways it can be translated is character and nature. So God is saying, you want to impact the whole nation? Walk in radical righteousness. Walk in my character and nature. It's released through you throughout all creation. You'll never find a baptismal big enough to dump Ethiopia in. But if you go there and you walk in radical righteousness, you are shadowing the darkness for the choices you make because you are God's dominion steward on earth. That's why there's been this sloppy grace movement. It doesn't mean if you ever make mistakes that you've lost your salvation. But we all make mistakes at times. It's about the position of the heart. And David made mistakes, yet he was still a man after God's own heart. Why? Because once he really realized the mistake, once he really saw that he'd sinned against God and given place to his flesh, he was broken. And here's something glorious the blood of Jesus works. I get irritated in traffic. I don't like to drive at all. I'm one of the rare men that does not like to drive. I appreciate I'm a very nice vehicle. I appreciate it. I'm grateful that I can drive. It's a huge time saver. I don't like to drive. And I really don't like traffic. One of the reasons is because I don't do a good job of controlling my soul in traffic. No matter how often the Lord speaks to me, I still get impatient. And you know what? I'm glad it still breaks my heart. I'm glad I can go in after driving from our house in Scottsdale to my little office in Maricopa.
pull up and I get irritated on the two-lane highway because nobody understands drive left, that's why drive right, two-way highway. And it's so tense. And now what I do is the Lord speaks to me and I'll declare, love is not irritable. I am patient, I am kind, love is not irritable. Loosen your grip, Robert. Loosen your grip. I have more time to pray for this person behind in front of me. Lord, it's okay if I start by praying and they figure out how to drive a two-lane highway, and then I'll move on to blessing of my promise. But all joking aside, when I lose that battle, because I've been wrestling with it for years, and I don't want to release irritation and frustration in the atmosphere, I want to release Jesus. I'll get up, I'll get home, I'll get on my face I was talking to you about this once years ago. And very long story short, at one point I was repenting and he said, What are you talking about? All oh, those other times I did that. And he's like, No, 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 we're just dealing with today. It's just today. I was like, Oh, God. Oh, this is what happened. You know how he says, Forgive seven times 70? I did the math. That's only 490. And I said to the Lord, I've got to get close, God. Seriously. And the Lord was like, what are you talking about? You're at one. We're dealing with this one. He said, God, you're really awesome, but I thought you'd be better at math. <laughs> I've done this dozens of times. He's like, no. Every time you find the word Jesus, it works. You're at one, son. Let's deal with this. And it's not an excuse to sin. It's not, it's not like I can get irritated in traffic and just bleed the blood of Jesus. No, I'm going to be grieved by it. Because when I choose irritation in traffic, I'm releasing irritation into the atmosphere. So I want to clean it up. And then the next time, I'm getting better. I'm patient. I'm kind. I'm just not irritable. I bless you, I bless you. I have more time to pray for you now that you're driving 45 miles an hour in the 65 mile an hour passing lane. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. And I mean it. Always good. But it's that simple. But I want to be, I want, I was sharing this with somebody, I'm like, bro, it's not that big a deal. I was like, look, I'm not condemned at all. You will never meet anybody who has a greater revelation of the certainty of sonship than he has given me. Now, there may be many who walk in it to the level that I do. I don't deserve it one bit. I have father issues, authority issues. I don't have time tonight to tell you my testimony. But God settled something in me about six years into my walk with him. I know I am his beloved son and whom he's well pleased. I know I need to do nothing for identity, love, or acceptance. I do everything from identity, love, and acceptance. I want to be convicted when I violate his nature because it's not who I am. This is how God disciplines me nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100. Come on, son. We both know that's how why did I respond that way? Let's search my heart. But when we catch this, now, it won't make our prayers better, but there's something about when we're walking in our righteousness and the fullness of what we have that it releases things even more powerfully in the spirit. That's why the enemy's trying to convince us we can sin. It's no big deal. Jesus dealt with every cross. Well, he did, but it's still a big deal. All right, so I said three words, but there's, a, there's another word that I want to add into this because he spoke it 
it to me as a corollary of all three of these, but I want to give it to you now. We know that 5784 is the, is the year of the open door, right? Okay. Uh, Apostle Strader shared brilliantly on that this morning. And I've heard many, many words and couldn't agree with every single one of them. I agree with the ones he spoke, the ones that Apostle Liberty has shared, and I absolutely agree with the people who are saying the year of the open door means open opportunities, open blessings, all of those. Spot on, totally agree. But how many of you know there can be layers and layers with God? What he has spoken to me is that in 5784, the door he most wants to open is you. Because you are the door of heaven into the earth. This is what Jesus talks about in Matthew 16. When he says, who does the world say that I am? Elijah, Jeremiah, this prophet, that prophet. Notice he doesn't address it. He's not ignoring them. He's not tired dadding them. You know, where your dad's tired of just doing job. He's not doing that. He's mentoring. He's discipling. He's rabbi. He's teaching them not to give, to be aware of what the world says, but to not give place to it. We need to learn to do this when we listen to CNN and, and, and Fox. To be aware, especially if the intercessor deal with global events, God usually calls me to ignore the news, sometimes years at a time, so I don't get irritated, and I'm in a better place to pray from his, from his heart. But for those of you who are called to that, he wants you to know what the world is saying, but learn how to not give place to it. And then the next thing he says is, who do you say that I am, Simon? And what does he say? Well done for your flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And now I will give you the keys so that you can loose from heaven into the earth. What's been loose from heaven, you can loose into the earth. And what's bound in heaven, you can bind in the earth. You see what's going on here. When he says this is the rock I'll build my church on, he's not only talking about the revelation of Jesus as Messiah. He's absolutely talking about that. We must know Jesus as Messiah to even be the church. <coughs> but he's, he's also saying, when you learn who I am and how to focus on that and then through that, hear my Father over the report of the world and the reaction of your flesh, now the gates of hell can't now you're an open door of heaven into the earth. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to teach us to be aware of what's going on in the world, but not give place to it. To not allow our flesh to take over. Flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then when we listen to what the Father is saying, and we pray it and pray it and pray it, the gates of hell cannot prevail. I don't care how long or how strong that gate of hell has been there. It cannot prevail. And when we catch this, when we catch that you are the door he most wants to open. Why do you think he wants to pour out blessings to you? Because he wants to pour out the blessings through you. Why do you think he wants to give you opportunities? Because he wants you to walk through those, into those opportunities and release happen into the earth. It's not in or it's all of the above. But it culminates in you being the door that God wants the most open in 5784. Okay, one more quick prophetic word, and then I'm going to pray for you. The third slash fourth prophetic word he gave me for 5784 is there will be spoils of war in 2024. Now, he said 2024, so I have to honor him. But he gave it to me for Rosh Hashanah. So I believe what he's doing, because I asked him about this. Why didn't we say spoils of war in 5784? Even when it's still rhyming, I don't get it. 
And he, what he showed me is starting tonight, as we enter 5784, for the next few months until we hit 2024, he wants to ramp up our faith for more in 2024. And here's, let me tell you the, 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 the sober part of this first. Spoils of war in 2024 means there's going to be more war in 2024. we got to get our joy back. It wasn't spoils from war, spoils of war. There's going to be more war in 2024. But when we get these other things, we are now going to war. Seasons of war are not what was the bummer seasons. They can look that way and feel that way. I get it. We have been beset on every front ever since my wife was attacked with cancer two years ago. Cancer free today, praise Jesus Christ. And there's one thing after another. And there was a day when I sat in my prayer chair and I said, Lord, my life is not mine, it's yours. But I know you love me and I know I can trust you. I'm going to live back. And if there's any battle weariness you can take off me, I love it. But if not, all I ask is for greater grace because we have work to do. And I'm down with Seasons of warfare are not woe is me seasons. That doesn't mean they're not difficult or challenging. Believe me, you have no idea how much compassion I have for you and what you're dealing with. Because we're dealing with a lot and you're probably dealing with more. I am so, this is not a suck it up buttercup word. This is, I get it, but when we realize that seasons of war are not when the enemy's advancing, it's when the kingdom's advancing. But the enemy will lie and say warfare is because I'm being active in the earth. I'm advancing. No, 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 you're not. What's happening, you read your Bible. When God sends his people into war, it's for a reason. To take territory. This is what we've been praying for. God is going to use you mightily. The Lord spoke to me at Angela's Temple years ago when we were doing an event there. Because my mentor, Patricia King, is related naturally related to any simple in the first place, some cousinly thing. But we wanted to do an event there and really grab hold of that anointing. Thousands of people came from all over the world. And it was great. Said Michael, did you did you guys come to that? Were you in Los Angeles for the um, uh, Angeles Temple meetings? No. Okay. It was wonderful. And while I'm, I'm sitting on the front row and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord fell, I stood up and there's an angel in front of me. This doesn't happen all the time at all. And the Lord starts using this angel to do some things in the spirit I went to, basically gave me a war coat and was giving me nations that I would go to and war for in the spirit. But this, the Lord said to me, in the coming years, I will do what I did in the Old Testament through my people who had swords of steel in their hand. I will do through my believers in this hour who are willing to have the sword of spirit in their mouth. And that's what we're coming into. We are coming into a season of warfare, which means we have been handpicked by God to take territory. Amen. Not saying it's going to be fun, but you know, there are times it kind of is. And there are times it's heartbreaking, there's times it's difficult, there's times it's exhausting. But then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, God knew things were going to look like this. And God knew he could use a little more To achieve something. And I may go to 40 more nations or I may sit in my prayer chair to do it. But there's more war coming in 2024, but we are going to start to see territory taken. God told me in 
January of 2020 to declare this and not stop and not, to not cease until I see it come to pass. And it's the, one of the things I most declare in the spirit. The, the, the Hamans will be hung on their own gallows. Goliath's heads will be cut off with their own swords. And Jezebel's will be cast down by those who have been dismissed as impotent and unimportant. We're going to see it. It's starting to happen in 2024. There's going to be an acceleration of this, and God's going to use you to do it. So the first part of this word is buckle up. There's going to be more in 2024, but you're made for it, you're equipped for it, and you're going to be brilliant at it. The next part of this is, and he said, and tell my people who are willing to show up for the battle, this is my promise. There will be spoils. Now, this is why I want you to be more excited than that. I'm not, I'm not demanding emotion, but I want you to catch this. I haven't unpacked it enough for you yet. We as the body, everybody has been seemingly prophetically declaring these last three years it's been a time to pursue, overtake, and recover all, right? And, and that's great because we need to take back what the enemy stole because Jesus took it back for us. We agree with it until we see it. We don't cease until we see it. With the things that are attacking my wife, even now she's cancer-free, there's other things the enemy's trying to do to her, I'm having none of it. And I won't cease until I see her completely free of it. The same with all the other things going on in our family. And before I came here, um, our resource director, our, our operations manager, the glue between, um, whatever glue is between, between the pages, the mortar between our bricks, she was rushed to the hospital and put into an abuse coma because of something collapsing. And they're still trying to figure out what it is. And in every front, there's an attack. You know what? We are going to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Amen. It is coming season. And as we enter 5784 tonight, until we get to the threshold of 2024, God wants to stir your faith for more than pursuing, overtaking, and recovering. That's just getting back what was stolen. 2024 isn't saying there'll be recovery. There'll be spoils. Spoils is greater than. Spoils yes. is what you get to have before you were willing to go to battle. Yes. Spoils is the other people's sheep and cattle yes. and gold. Not yes. but you know what I mean. We, the spoils of war, are more than we ever had. And for those of you who are willing to go to war in 2024, God's promise to you is there shall be spoils. Amen. Now, everything has to be rooted and grounded in a word for me because I had a great head for it. And so I said, Lord, I feel it. I see it. I know it. Now show it to me. And he showed me Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Not going to do the whole story because it's time for me to pray for you, but let me give you this principle. We know what happens. The statue's erected. The wizards ran out Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. They're not bowing down. They bring him before Nebuchadnezzar. He is mad. Are you really not bowing down? I'm sorry. Very important in the book of Daniel. I've been reading and rereading and rereading the book of Daniel for almost a year now because the Lord won't let me get out of it. I'm reading other places too, but he keeps highlighting to me how Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego spoke to Nebuchadnezzar and how Daniel spoke to King Darius. We as a church can take a lesson. Your majesty, sir. They stood for righteousness, but in the character and nature of the righteous one. They, they had it worse than we do. They were, they were human trafficked, conquered and human trafficked. 
into the most wicked system of man that has ever existed on earth, perhaps until right now. And yet they didn't murmur, they didn't complain, they didn't curse, they represented and expected God. They stood for righteousness in the character and nature of the righteous one. If we as the church will learn this, we're going to become the John the Baptist that what's his face, didn't like him, I went blank on his name, hated being told, you can't marry your brother, your brother's wife, but he wanted to hang out with John the Baptist because he was honoring, but he spoke truth. That's what we're going to be doing. So he said, Shadrach, then you go do this and say, Sir, we will not bow down, Your Majesty, we will not bow down, and you're going to the fire, boys. And love what they say, you know it well. Our God, whom we serve, is well able to save us from the fire. It's just near time. Even if he does not, we will bow down to none but him. That is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. We know who our God is, we know what he's like, we're looking to him, we're trusting him, but we're not leaning on our own understanding. That attitude was then saying, we're showing up for war. We're showing up in this battle. We'll stand for righteousness in the character and nature of the righteous one. He gets so mad, he says, stoke the fire seven times hotter. And then what happens? When his best men, he assigns his best men, catch this, to throw them in the fire, the door is open, the fire leaps out and destroys his very best men. Do you realize if we catch this, the, the Hamans, the Goliaths, the Jezebels, the Ahabs, the Baals that are destroying our nation right now, they will be destroyed. The best ones the enemy have are about to be consumed by fire because we're willing to show up and go to war in 2024. And we're expecting spoils. Because we all know they're brought back out and now Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, your God is the one true God. Everybody must know of him. And they're given not what had been taken away, but even greater authority, greater favor, and greater position. They were given spoils. I am telling you, spoils of war are coming in 2024 if you're willing to show up for battle. And I can tell you from my own life from the last several years, you don't have to do it perfect. You won't do it perfect. You don't need to do it perfect. The perfect one came on our behalf. All we have to do is be real with God. And I've learned this all over again these last few years. When I'm tired, I tell I'm tired. I don't say I'm quitting, but I say I'm tired. When I need when I need some rest and recovery, he sent angels to me. One day I got bored and I was like, Lord, would you send the angel to minister to you after you were in the desert? I need some serious ministering. And if you needed ministering after you won that battle for us, I know that one's good at it. I have no idea if he sent that one. All I know is that I felt nothing in the moment, but that afternoon I felt something was shifted. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to declare these words over you one more time. And then I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray something very specific that the Lord told me to do in prayer this morning. All right. A triple vision anointing is being released from heaven into your life right now. In Jesus' name. I declare a release from heaven into the earth of the triple vision anointing. Some of you are going to feel some tingling and even some heat around your eyes. Some of you, I'm even seeing your, your, your vision might get slightly blurry for a second. That's okay. It's going to clear right up. It's like he's refitting the triple vision anointing lenses on your eyes. Triple vision anointing is being released from heaven 
into your eyes and into your life and into your spirit, soul, and body right now. You will be part of a prayer revival that will come forth that awakens believers to the authority they have to settle things in the spirit through prayer, declarations, and decrees. I declare a stirring of the revelation of authority and power in prayer. And if you've ever been one, and most of us have done this, and well, Lord, I guess I'll just pray, or I guess all I can do is pray. Take a moment and repent. He's not mad at you. He's just helping you clear the slate. Because prayer is not a just, it's not a last minute thing. It is one of the most powerful things we've been given. All of creation is brought forth through declaration and decrees. And when he puts his word in our mouth and we're willing to pray it, decree it, and declare it, everything must respond. So I release a revelation of the authority and power of prayer, a renewed and deepened revelation, even more profound. And I see every single one of you getting on like an escalator. And he says he's taking you to another level of authority and power in prayer. No matter where you've been, if you've been contending for nations in prayer, you're going for continents. If you've been doing continents, you're going for hemispheres. If you're doing hemispheres, you're going for the whole wide world. If you've been contending for a prodigal, you're going to start calling all the prodigals home. If you've been contending for your finances, you're going to start having faith for others' finances too, and even the economy in this nation. New level, new level, new level of authority and power in prayer in Jesus' name. I declare for those of you willing to show up for the battles in 2024, that God will not only use you powerfully with the triple vision anointing and with a renewed revelation of the power and authority of prayer, I declare spoils of war in 2024. And I declare stirring of your faith right now for even more. Even those of you who are saying, hey, I'm waiting to recover all. Even with that, you'll not only get the recovery, I declare spoils of war, spoils of war, spoils of war in 2024. And I thank you, Lord, that you're assigning angels with huge, huge, I see these angels with huge, like, burlapy sacks that they're glowing, and that's what they're going to connect the spoils of war. You don't have to worry what they are. Angels are being assigned to you to collect the spoils on your behalf, and there will come a day when it feels like it's raining because the spoils are being poured out on you. And then the final word I want to declare over you, and then I'm going to pray something special for you. I declare in 5784, the year of the open door, that the door the Lord most wants to open in this season is you. And I declare you are his door of heaven into the earth. And I declare that a new, deepened, heightened flow of heaven into you is coming right now. So that a new, deepened, heightened flow of heaven through you is coming right now. And I declare that it will multiply and it will increase. Some of you will even feel at times like your belly vibrating or your hands vibrating as we go through this next season. These are like, what is that? And you're going to be reminded, I'm trying to open the door. Heaven is flowing through me right now. I released a word Wednesday on the end times flood that is about to be released into the earth. And that flood is a flood of glory, a flood of the presence, and it's coming through you. You are the floodgate he most wants to open. You are the door he most wants to open. You. And anyone who feels to, if we can put some music on, because if, if it's okay to take the time, and just the hotel tell the time we haven't gotten here, I know it's getting late. Okay. All right. 
that anybody who's willing to stay, you guys have been amazing tonight and received so much throughout the day. This is what the Lord showed me in my prayer time this morning. To lay hands on those of you who are willing, and I'm going to pray something specific. I'm going to pray corporately, and then I'm going to lay hands on those who want it directly from me. But he wants to oil your hinges. That's what he told me. He said, release the oil of the Holy Spirit tonight to oil the hinges of their doors. Because he knows what you've been through. And he knows some of you feel a little shut down, a little weary, a little rusty. And most of all, he wants you to know he's incredibly proud of you. Because every single one here is one of his champions who has, when you knew not else what to do, you knew to stand and to stand strong. And tonight he wants to oil your hinges. This is the last couple of days, my forehead and head have been very oily. And that's not like me. So I actually said to him this morning, what is going on? Like, I thought I needed to go to the, uh, the grocery store, the drugstore, and get like Shrike's ass, like I was 14 again. And because it was so oily. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. Remember Psalm 23. I am pouring out my oil on your head. And I am flowing my oil. And this is a sign and a wonder that I've not experienced before. And he said, I'm filling you with oil so that you will overflow and you will release it to them. Some of you will feel it. Some of you are going to get oil on your hands. Some of you are going to get oil on your heads. Some of you, you're going to get oil in your socks. I don't know where it's going to come. And some of you will be like me, where 99 times out of 100, you walk by faith and you're grateful for it. But if you want to receive this after I pray corporately, come on up and I'm going to lay hands on you. Father God, I thank you that you, Holy Spirit, are the one who are the oiler. And this is a Psalm 23 moment because you promise in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of the attacks, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of all that's going on, you set a feast for us. And one of the things you want to do for your people in this feast is pour out fresh oil and oil their hinges. And I speak to the hinges right now in the spirit. Any hinges that are rusty, any hinges that are stuck, any hinges that feel locked up, almost like the Tin Man, Wizard of Oz, that you're coming right now with your Holy Spirit oil, oiling the hinges, oiling the hinges, oiling the hinges. And I hear him saying, for some of you, there's going to be a sign of wonder because you've had joints that are creaky and aching, and this oil is going to actually pour into those joints as well. And he's oiling the hinges in the spirit of you as his spirit door of heaven into the earth. But he's going to give some of you a sign where you've had achy or creaky joints. They're going to be oiled as well. So Lord, I thank you right now that you pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out your oil. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, oil their hinges so they easily and quickly open up and release heaven into the earth. Get them so oily that they'll be surprised. There'll be moments where they're like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm flowing in the prophetic. Oh, I'm doing it. I'm flowing in prayer and degree. Oh, my gosh, my hinges are so well oiled. It just happened. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, if you want me to lay hands on you, I'm here to serve you. Let me, let me minister to that
Does see a picture in the spirit of where there's been sand in the gears that now oil is being released. And there's things that have not been in motion and have been stuck. I think this is for you. There are things that have not been in motion and have been stuck. But that oily, 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 oil is coming, is coming, is coming. And I command the gears, ancient gears, there are ancient things that are going to back, start back up into motion for you. Ancient things, ancient things.
closely, not just down your spine, into your spine. And what I'm seeing, it's almost like he's mixing blood for cerebral spinal fluid. And I see you standing taller and taller and taller in the spirit. You're going to reach new heights in the spirit. Everything that you've spoken about, right in the view, I see angels inside, like Aaron and her angels, off your Moses' hands, as you can contend for what you contend for. Stature is growing in the spirit, impact is growing even more in the spirit, and God's going to use you in ways that you have not yet 